Yeah. 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 My alarm goes off. <laughs> She's got her alarm set. <laughs> you better don't obey the. You better. Oh, I'm Tanya, and I have been here at Rodney Pike Church of God. Most of y'all know me, and the Lord called me out of the darkness into the light. Um, drug addict, thief, liar, cheater, anything and everything. God brought me out of that. And we're going to talk about that stuff tonight. And we're going to talk about my God. That is who he is. My God. There's nothing greater than my God. Nothing in this world ever compared to what my God done in my life and what my God is in my life and in your all's life. And I, and I want to pray this tonight over this. I've been a nervous wreck. Loretta's asked me, you nervous? You'll be fine. But I've been a nervous wreck about this one because I'm like, God, I've never got up here this way before. But we have a good God, and we just have to mind him and listen and do what he says, don't we? Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. And we just want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for who you are because you are mighty and you are awesome, Lord. And you are the change in our life. One glimpse of you changes everything heavenly father and i pray tonight that we get that glimpse of who you truly are and who you are in our lives who do we say you are heavenly father we love you we thank you and i pray lord that you have your way in this message and amen and pastor i switched it up a little bit the way i sent it to you is not the way it is <laughs> um you think you have it, and the Lord says, no, go back where I told you to go. So that's what we're doing. We're going to go to 1 John, and we're going to start in verse, uh, we're going to go to 1 John 2, and we're going to read um, 1 through 3, and then we're going to read 15 through 17, then 28 through 29. And I go to the Message Bible, so whenever you guys are ready. shaking <laughs> shaking tonight oh. in first john 2 1 and 2 it says i write this dear children to guide you out of sin but if anyone does sin we have a priest friend in the presence of the father jesus christ righteous jesus when we serve as a sacrifice for our sins he solved the sin problem for good, not only ours, but the whole world's. Here, here's how we know, how we can be sure that we know God in the right way, keep his commandments. And he goes on in that to tell us to love, to love our, our neighbors, to love one another. If we don't love, the Father's not in us. Isn't that what he says? He tells us how to love, but he tells us what not to love. In the world, we loved all this stuff. We lusted. We wanted our own way. Sometimes we thought more highly of ourselves than we should have. Sometimes we didn't think about ourselves at all. Sometimes we didn't like ourselves. We always wanted to change to be what somebody else wanted us to be. Verse 15 through 17, it says, Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. 
practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates us from him. The world and all it's wanting, 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 is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Verse 28 and 29, it says, And now children stay with Christ, live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, and no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. He's coming back. He's coming back, church. He's coming back for his people. He's coming back for that spotless bride. Once you're convinced that he is right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. Once you're convinced that he is right and righteous. How do y'all seem? How y'all seem tonight? It's all about perspective sometimes. And it's all about how we see him. When I was in the world, I didn't see him. When I was in the world, I didn't see him. And if I did seem, I thought he was that one that was going to fall and fail, and he was going to lead me just like the world leads us. He's not that way. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to look at people in the Bible who the world may have said, why don't you just leave them alone? I mean, look at them. They're falling and failing all over the place. But God comes in. We need to get our perspective right sometimes. We need to get our vision on him and who he truly is and not who in the world we think he is. I want to read 1 John 2, 1 and 2 in the New International Version. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, Pastor talked about it the other day, we all fall and we fail. It says, But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. For the sins of those that were in the Bible. David. He loved him. A man of God, and he loved him, but he fell. But God didn't leave him, did he? It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Sometimes we desire things in this life, and we think God didn't want us to have it. Well, I'm t he probably didn't. He probably didn't want us to have that. I always sought and searched for relationships. I did. I looked for that person to make me complete. Nobody was going to make me complete but the Father. We're going to go into Matthew 6, 19 and 21. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. When God comes into our lives and he lives inside of us, I want more of him. I want less of the world. And I prayed that from the beginning, more of you, God, and less of me, more of you, and less of me. And sometimes, though, in life, more of me came back in. At times, more of me came back in. But I still want more of God. 
Go to Proverbs 11:28, and it says, A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a, is a flourishing tree. And in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, it says, So roll up your sleeves, get your head in the game, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. And I'm going to read this other one. It says, 1 Timothy 6, 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. C.S. Lewis said, don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. And he also said we're called to be world changers and not world chasers. Oh, y'all, we have a mighty God. And I know how good he is. Y'all know how good he is? Y'all know what he did in your life? Do y'all know who he truly is? Sometimes in this life, things happen. You guys, we lose people. I'm just going to tell y'all where this came from tonight. I had a dream back in December. And y'all, I never liked me. I always thought I was heavy. Well, I'm, well I am. <laughs> I am. But I hated myself, Leah. I hated myself. I didn't like me. I didn't like anything about me. I searched the world over for the happiness. And I had a dream. And all I could see was the darkness of it. And it's that, what do we see? Are we focused on the darkness or are we focused on the light? There's so much stuff going on in this world. There's COVID, there's cancer, there's people dying. There's grief, there's addiction. There's so much. But I got caught up in that dream and I woke up and I was crying so hard. I called my aunt and I said, I felt like I was there forever. This person came back into my life and the words were, why did you let yourself go? The devil wants us to think, look at you now. You're serving God. Look at you with all that weight on now. Look at you. What are you doing? You ain't got a man out there? Well, the men I had <laughs> really didn't. God didn't want me to have them. He didn't want me to have them. But I pleased in the world. I was a, I was a people pleaser. I wanted to have that thing in my life without God. Sometimes we want to have that thing without God. And then sometimes we want to serve God and walk in the world. You can't do it. You can't do it. You guys, we're going to look at David for, for just a minute. This is a man after God's own heart. But before I do, i got to finish my story. <laughs> got off track. But anyways, all I could see was the darkness of it. And I thought, well, he made it look like God didn't want me to have the things of the world. Well, he didn't. But all I was focused on was, well, God don't want me to be happy. He don't want me to have that. And this other woman came into the picture, and, and I thought, well, he wants her to have him. And I saw somebody in the boat with him in the vehicle, and I saw him running. I got a glimpse of the father, the glimpse that changed everything. He said, you want me to tell you what that was about? He said, you're so focused on the darkness of it and the things of the world that you don't have. He said, let me show you what's going on. He said, while I'm protecting you, I'm saving her. 
and somebody that's in the boat with me is running. Where are we at tonight? Are we running? Are we trusting? Are we believing? Or are we wanting the things of the world? Do we want to believe what the liar says? How do we see God? Do we see him as not wanting? Or do we see him as the God of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Perspective. The vision of him, the glimpse of him that's going to change your life forever. Go to 2 Samuel, and we're going to read 11, 2 through 5, and then we're going to read 22, or 26 and 27, and then we're going to go into 2 Samuel. It says, One late afternoon, David got up from taking his nap and was strolling on the roof of the palace. From his vantage point on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was stunningly beautiful. David sent to ask about her and was told, Isn't that Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent his agents to get her. After she arrived, he went to bed with her. This occurred during the time of purification following her period. Then she returned home before long. She realized she was pregnant. Later, she sent word to David, I'm pregnant. David was trying to get Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife. He was trying to get him to get drunk and sleep with his wife. So it didn't look like he had, he had done anything wrong. There's so much here. There's deception. There's cheating on uh, cheating. There's killing. There's so much. And people look at these things. And if I was in the world, I'd think, well, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, why would I want to go after God when look at these people? But it says, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she grieved for her husband. And when the time of mourning was over, David sent him, sent someone to bring her into his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. In 2 Samuel 12, it says, but God was not at all pleased with David with what David had done. God's not pleased with our sin. He's not pleased with our sin. But he sends his word to restore us. He sends his word to rescue us. He sends his word to show us the things in our life that don't need to be there, to show us the wrong things that were done so we'll repent and come back to him. He didn't leave us out there, you guys. He didn't leave us. It says there were two men, but God was not pleased at all with what God had done, and he sent Nathan to David. And Nathan said to him, there were two men in the city, one rich, the other poor, the rich man had huge flocks of sheep, herds of cattle. The poor man had nothing but one little female lamb, which he had bought and raised. It grew up with him and his children as a member of the family. It ate off his plate and drank from his cup and slept on his bed. It was like a daughter to him. One day a traveler dropped in on the rich man. He was too stingy to take an animal from his own herds or flocks to make a meal for his visitor, so he took the poor man's lamb prepared a meal to set before its guest. David exploded in anger. As surely as God lives, he said to Nathan, the man who did this ought to be lynched. <laughs> he must repay for the lamb four times over for his crime and his stinginess. You're the man, said Nathan. And here's what God, here's what God, the God of Israel, has to say to you 
I made you king over Israel. I freed you from the first from the fists of Saul. I gave you your master's daughter and other wives to have and to hold. I gave you both Israel and Judah. And if that hadn't been enough, I'd have gladly thrown in much more. So why have you treated the word of God with brazen contempt? During this great evil, you murdered Uriah the Hittite, then took his wife as your wife. Worse, you killed him with an Amorite sword. Then David confessed to Nathan, I've sinned against God. He sent the word to restore. He sent the word so he would be forgiven. He was a man of God, and God loved him. And God didn't leave him. God does not leave us. He says in his word he's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us and he will not. He says I'll be with you even until the end of time. He says I give you life and I give you life more abundantly. Then God confessed, or then David confessed to Nathan I've sinned against God. And Nathan pronounced yes, but that's not the last word. God forgives your sin. God forgives your sin. And he does. He forgives his sins. He forgives us of those things. You guys, I, I know I'm reading a lot off these pages, but I know what God said to give y'all, and that's what I'm trying to give y'all. But I'm going to go back to the beginning, and I don't have scriptures for you all on this, and I want to talk about Adam and Eve. We talked about David. He failed. God said, your sins have been forgiven. That's not the final word. What you did is not the final word. If we go back to Adam and Eve, we see him living in paradise. We see them having everything. They're taken care of and they have everything. And, and here comes the serpent along and there's only one thing that God told them not to do and that was to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, right? Serpent comes along, tries to make it look good. Tries to make it look like if you eat of this, he said, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. They had it made. You guys, that's what it was supposed to be like. They had it made. They had everything. When they ate, their eyes were open, and they felt ashamed, and they hid from God. We see God coming along. I can see him. I can just see him strolling along, looking around. He knows what they did. He knows what they did. He knows they're hiding. He knows they're ashamed. Here he is, cool as a breeze, just walking around, looking around. Adam, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you? I'm hiding. He's hiding. He's hiding. He says, I, we heard you coming. And he said, we, we are ashamed. He said, where are you? And he said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. He said, so who told you you were naked? Who told you? It's hard, isn't it? I mean, that's hard stuff. So many times in life we feel that, that we have to hide from God and we're ashamed. And some of us, for the things we've done and what's going on on the insides of us, but the Lord comes rolling in and he looks for us and to come out of hiding. He sends his word to restore. He comes strolling along in the garden. He brings them out of hiding. We don't have to hide from God. He already knows. Matthew 23, 25, and 26, it tells us to first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside will become clean too. You guys, when that real person comes outside, when God comes into your life, and that real, when we come out of hiding, 
we may have to deal with some things on this earth. We may have to answer for some things that we've done, but the Lord cleans up our mess. But we still have to answer for some things. I've had to answer for things on this earth that were hard. I had things I had to do because of things I'd done on this earth. But that doesn't mean that I wasn't forgiven because I was forgiven. And I accepted the things that were coming my way. The things that I never thought that I would have to answer for and the places I never thought I'd have to go. But I went and I said, I'm a changed person. You can't keep them that lock up and them bars over me anymore because I'm different. God will go with you. He'll go behind you. He'll be beside you. He'll never leave you. He'll prepare those dark places that we have to walk into and the things that we have to answer for on this earth. And sometimes God will just say, okay. And like Leah said, tell the judge. Tell the judge, time served. Time served. Let that real person come out. When Adam and Eve heard God working, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And if God hadn't called them out, they probably would have still been in hiding. Hiding in shame and, and not leaving. Being ashamed and in that shame. We're going to look at Peter. Y'all, Peter knew Jesus. He knew Jesus. He walked with him. He saw the healings. He saw the miracles that he did. He knew him. We're going to go to Matthew 16, 13 through 18. And it says, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he is John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, and one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say I am? Y'all get Who do you say? I am. He's telling them who he is. He's identifying himself. He's saying, I am. Who do you say? I am. I think that, I, that is amazing. He said, I am, right there. So who do you say he is? He is, I am. He's the God of more than enough. He's the one that forgives. He's the one that restores. He's the one that saves. He's the one that brings you out of yourself. It says, Simon Peter said, you're, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of the books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Who do y'all say he is? I can't get over that, Leah. Who do you all say he is? How do you see him? The world sees him totally different than what we see him when, when we get that first glimpse of him. I had a lot of glimpse of him throughout my life but I didn't get it I remember the day I got it and I went and there was a, a preacher that used to be there when I was in my addiction he looked at me and he said you got it and I said I did I finally got it and I said what took me so long I finally got it 
He said, because you wasn't ready for it. And I wasn't. I was still trying to be happy in the world, not knowing who he is. I just want to tell you all some things I found about I am. He told Moses at the burning bush, he said, I am. You go tell them if they ask who sent you. The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And what's his name? That's what, well, then what should I tell him? Moses said, I, or God told Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. You guys, I am has sent you to the world. I am has sent you to those that are in addiction, that are in bondage, that are grieving. I am has sent you to go beyond this room. I am has sent you to be a light that cannot be hidden. And I don't, I, if y'all want these scriptures, they're all in John. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the one that's going to rescue you. I am the one that's going to save you in the middle of the night when you're crying out and you're having those horrific dreams that seem so real. I am the one that's going to rescue you. I am the one that's going to be with you forever and ever, and I will never leave you. Y'all, I remember when a week before my dad died. Today's my mom's birthday. She's, she's living it up. About a week before my dad died, y'all, I was a runner. I don't know if any of y'all was ever a runner, but I was a runner. <laughs> y'all see you, girl. My dad told me about a week before he left the house, he was in his right mind. He wasn't always in his right mind towards the end. But he looked at me and he said, whatever you do and whatever God does, don't turn back. Don't turn back. And a lot of times we're in that boat with God. And we start running. What are we running to and what are we running from? He's the one that saved y'all. He's the one that broke your chains. He's the one that set you free. He's the one that gave you life. God opened Peter's eyes to see who Jesus truly was. And then he told him about his upcoming death and resurrection. And Peter denied Jesus three times. God knew he was going to deny. He already knew it. Can you imagine the shame that Peter felt? The shame that we feel sometimes in this world when we walk in that darkness and when we fail God? The shame that we feel? But in it tells us, and I'm going to read this, Pastor, and I didn't give this to you, but it says um, in Mark 16, it says Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went with spices to embalm Jesus, and the stone was rolled away, and a young man sitting on the right side said, he said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's here no longer. You can see for yourselves that the, that the place is empty now on your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. I love that. That's one of my favorite things. Tell Peter. And tell Peter. He didn't leave Peter. He loved Peter. Peter, come out of that shame. I'm, I'm alive. 
I'm alive and I see you. I see you and I love you. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there, exactly as he said. And he saw him again. And Peter, the Lord loved him. So many times in our life we think that when we mess up it's over for us and that maybe God's going to wash his hands of us and he's going to leave us. But if that's who God is, none of us would have ever made it back. None of us would ever make it in. Psalm 23 says the Lord is my shepherd. It says he restores my soul. Look back at David. God didn't wait on David to make the first move. Did he? He sent his word to restore. God didn't wait on David to make that first move. God made that first move. He sent a prophet to David. It restored him through his word, and the prophet speaks the word of God. And he did the same thing in the garden. The Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? They'd probably still be hiding, like I said. But God's word brings change in our life when no one else can. God is restoring David. He's purging out what led to the great sins in David's life so that he comes to hate what he used to love. 2 Samuel 12, 13 said David's sins deserve death. But Isaiah 53, 6 says, but God put his sins on Jesus. God put our sins on his son, and his son freely went for us. He didn't leave us. He loves us. Many of us have struggled and we're struggling with shame, and John tells us that as we live in Christ, trusting him for forgiveness and walking with him consistently, we will have no reason to be ashamed when Christ returns. God has made us his children. And we're all in. Are we all in? <laughs> Are we all in? I want to be all in with God. I want to be all in with God. We long to be with him and like him so the things we desire in the world start to fade away and we long for the things of God. And David, no matter how many times he messed up, God loved him. He had a heart after God and the Bible tells us that God is his helper and his strength. And when we mess up, God doesn't cast us out. But loving God, we strive to be better. God isn't just, he isn't surprised by anything you do. And just like Adam and Eve, God came looking for them and God comes looking for you. The thief is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm going to finish up with this. It says, who do you say I am? Who do you say he is? But Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen my father. Who do you say I am? If you've seen him, Solomon tried to find the meaning of life. And his conclusion was that apart from God and his righteousness, life has no meaning. So if you are running, if you are ashamed and you are running, if something's happened in your life, if you've lost somebody and you can't deal with it, God sees you and he loves you. He sees you and he loves you. So if you are running because someone passed away, my dad said, don't look back. Don't ever look back. Y'all, the best is yet to come. God is mighty and he is awesome. And that first glimpse of him, if you were still in the world, it's probably not the first glimpse that you see when you're looking at him in his righteousness. And I pray that if you are struggling 
And if you are running from God for anything, why? What are you running to and what are you running from? We serve a mighty God. We serve a loving God. We serve a living God. We serve a God that's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. Tonight, look upon him. Look at his face and be all in with him. Give him your all. It's time to stop running, y'all. It's time to stop running from God, but it's time to run to him. anything else. If any of y'all need prayer, we'll pray with you. If any of y'all are running, if you feel ashamed, we'll pray with you. If you never had that glimpse before, but you got it tonight. Amen. He loves you. Come on down here. We're going to let you pray. You don't want all the things that you've said about God and all his character and his nature and what he's doing. It made me think of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, the Bible says at that time he was on Mars Hill. And he was talking to the people who said of the inscription.